You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. over time and this is a record club edition this is where we talk about records that we uh have suggested to each other and suggested to the listenership uh that we should all give a shot and today's is not my choice who's whose choice was this this was uh actually recommended by a friend of the podcast okay and it is bold the ep from 1993 and we're gonna have to talk about that date Yes, it is the Looking Back record, uh, which was released in 1993, which basically was a compilation of the recording, well, you know, a reissue of the recording that was released in 89 as a 7-inch, as a 4-song 7-inch. This is a 7-song 12-inch EP. Okay, so uh, let's just do the perfunctory thing. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And I'm Tom. And shout out to our sponsors, that's... Uh, Run for Cover, Closed Casket, uh, uh, Death Wish, uh, and To Live a Lot. And shout out to all of them, strong mail orders, uh, and I'm happy to hear from at least two of them uh, that mail order right now is strong. Uh, Continue to send your business to them during these times when you're at home. Uh, Now, Bob, could you, I'm sorry, could you please repeat a little bit from my context here, those dates? Because... Did this record, when were these songs recorded is something I need to know before we can go further. These songs were recorded in 1989, I believe, and released in 89 as well. Yeah. So these are pretty early. So, Um, okay. So uh, for people that know nothing about Bold, do me a favor, walk me through Bold. Uh, You don't got to get the years right, just roughly. What, 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 uh, What comes out first? So Bold starts when they're 14 as the band Crippled Youth. The Crippled Youth 7-inch comes out in 87, maybe even 86, but I think it's 87. Um, They release an LP, Speak Out, uh, in 88. Uh, Yeah, the Crippled Youth Join the Fight 7-inch comes out in 86. Uh, They are children, you know, like junior high school kids and uh then speak out comes out in 88 and the self-titled seven inch comes out in 89 self-titled seven inch is four songs looking back is seven songs which is the unreleased track looking back and re-recordings of always try and speak out um done at that 89 session okay so that puts some things in perspective for me because i i had a bit of a this is listed as a 93 release because this is, right? Looking Back is. Looking 90. Back is 93, yes, that's correct. Okay. So this was a, this was perplexing for me, and I was going to put 
I was going to put both of your foot, feet to the flames over kind of where this stood in hardcore history, but 89 makes a lot more sense to me now. Okay. Um, how do we want to, how do we want to discuss this? Uh, we, it, so going into it, you guys are very familiar with this material and enjoy it. Is that right? Yes. And, uh, and Tom, why don't we start with this, our personal experience with this record and then familiarity, Tom, why don't you kick us off there? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I actually quite like this record. Spoiler alert. Um, I remember getting this as a kid. The 1993 thing is weird. I didn't even realize that until I, I went to like revisit it today. And Spotify had it as 1993. I was like, that's weird. Because I was like, a, I was like a, an adult that was into hardcore at that point. And Bold seemed like an old band. Mm-hmm. Um, Ended up buying some of the guys from Indecision owned a skate shop, unfortunately called 911. Um, yeah, yeah, this is way before 911. Um, yeah. And uh, we used to get, um, they decided to buy records to like sell alongside wheels and trucks and stuff. Um, like Toby H2O took the train to Bay Ridge to sell them the H2O demo. That's um, right. Yeah, and they had a. We bought a bunch of stuff from Rev, and I think that's how I got it. I think uh, I was like, oh, I'll buy these for like wholesale. I bought them at like wholesale prices. So, yeah, sure. This is like 1994, 1995, probably. Yeah. Um, and I just remember being like, oh, this is way different. Like, Speak Out is fun. I, I actually quite like Speak Out as well. Yeah. But I mean, the difference is it's a different band. Mm-hmm. At least to me. I mean, probably not a giant change. In, well, there's one giant change. Um, but, yeah, I just, um, I, yeah, I, I think this is a sorely overrated, I mean, overrated, overlooked record. Um, and I think they've somehow become like the punching bag of hardcore, and I don't know why. It never really made a lot of sense. This is mm. we're going to get into this, but that's such an interesting take because I think Bob has the same perspective and uh, of this band being maybe unfairly maligned, and that's not necessarily my experience. It's like like to me, and I'm just if it's, if it's all right, I'm going to jump on your train here and just uh, so uh, I don't recognize a single one of these songs upon listening to, to it. My understanding of bold probably comes from the record before this. Uh, that that speak out, correct? Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, the one with the brighter color cover and all that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, here's the thing. I think bold is not on not a punching bag per se, but just so divisive <laughs> because every kid had a bold shirt. And yet every kid I know hates bold. So like, so isn't that interesting that like you could go to some place and see 50 bold shirts, but also anybody you talk to is like, Oh no, fuck that band. Right. So that's an interesting thing. That means to me, that's great for bold. That means that they've, anytime you got lovers and haters, uh, you're doing something right. Uh, but my experience with this record is, limited to none I, I this was like uh, listening for the first time to me uh, you know obviously running like thieves 
uh, is one you, you see referenced a lot. People like this track, whatever. Uh, but I couldn't have hummed a, a moment of this record prior to this list. So, um, Tom, were you familiar with Speak Out before Looking Back? I was. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, there was a, uh, <clears throat> a show called The Hardcore Reality on uh, WSOU with this dude, Wayne Pagini. And um, they used to play, Wayne Pagini, yeah. Um, and they used to just play like random hardcore and stuff like that. Um, and even with like WNYU and stuff, yeah, I was familiar enough. Yeah, but like I remember getting this particular record at um, <laughs> name deleted uh, skate shop in uh, Beirut. Yes. Yeah. I uh, got Dark Portends uh, shop is what we're going to call that because that's uh, I. I I like the idea of the proprietors of that on 9-11 going, whoa, glad we went out of business three years ago. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, that's a rough one. Um, so uh, Bold Bold was a band I liked early. I don't remember when I heard Speak Out. It was pretty early, probably in my first 20 or 30 records, and I was 15, and it was really cool. And uh, it sounded pretty bad, which is kind of the way a lot of hardcore records sounded to me at that point and so it was like that's cool and then you look i looked at them and as a 15 year old i was like oh shit these dudes look like me um so that was cool but the music you know it was it was good i enjoyed it it was fun but then i got looking back not too long after like looking if speak out was in my top 30 or 40 records i first 30 or 40 records i should say that i heard looking back was in the next 20 um and it was completely different, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, reminded me of some other records that we'll, we'll kind of talk about in circle. But so I was familiar, really young, and uh, have pretty consistently repped it and enjoyed it in a way. Um, and what you said, Tom, about Bold becoming a punching bag, I agree. I think that, and what patrick you said about them being divisive is also true because what i think we're circling around is that bold is a band that evokes strong feelings from people uh they are not a band who um who finds themselves in the middle it's a lot of love or hate um they're polarizing in that way so uh my group of friends really for the most part we all liked bold but note the word i used we all liked bold um i borderline love them but it's i never felt super strongly because in the groups i was in especially at a young age there weren't bold shirts at every single show i went to as i started going more like more and more hardcore shows of that variety i saw more bold shirts but it all kind of made sense to me um that's and what it's I really so just weird, a good though. shirt you know yeah it's a great shirt it's an all-timer yeah my whole thing is <clears throat> You know, so they're divisive. Yes. Almost through no fault of their own. Yes. Like, yes. You know, like, Earth, Earth Crisis is divisive, right? Because it's like, they put out something, either you're on their side or you're not. It's pretty... Yes, exactly. Sound-wise or, like, philo you know, philosophy-wise. Bold has literally... Like, Matt Warnke has never done anything to you. <laughs> Drew Thomas, John Zulu. Fucking Brooks, whatever his name Tom is. Tom Capone. Ain't, right. ain't hurt your feelings. Um... Yo, the crippled youth seven inch that they wrote when they were like 
you know, uh, discovering Nintendo for the first time, uh, it's called join the fight, not join the fight or die. You know, like there's no, there's no capitulation on their part that like you're either with us or against us. So that's a great point. How, how did bold and Tom, I want your opinion, but then we can go to Patrick because he's on the other side of the fence. How do we think they got that way? Quite honestly, I think, I mean, it's funny because even like they're, you know, like Youth of Today, like right alongside them. Youth of Today, like Ray's a pretty divisive figure. A lot of stuff they're saying. We just saw the No More video cleaned up. It's pretty divisive. Like you're like, whoa, fuck, I didn't need to see that today. Um, I feel like Bold, and as much as I love them and as much as I love this record, pretty lukewarm. Maybe that's kind of the problem. They don't really take it. There's really nothing to them. They're just a band. So if you base it strictly on their merit, you either can love it or hate it. But what are they saying that you can be like, all right, I'm joining this fight. Right. Well, their, their lyrics are very young. And, you know, when I, when I think about Speak Out, and we'll talk about this for a minute, it's raw in a way that, like, if there were better mosh parts on it, we'd talk about it next to Breakdown more than we would Youth of Today because it's really raw and basic hardcore, but there aren't like these over the top New York hardcore kind of style breakdowns. So it's like, Oh, okay. This fits in closer to can't close my eyes. And that makes sense. I don't know that they have a, a huge message. They have, you know, the nailed to the X straight edge stuff. Um, so there's that, you know, that's one message. So I could see how someone who's not straight edge could get kind of like, that's stupid, you know? Okay. Yeah. But but, but, but in, the the milk toast nature of the lyrics is is there like, um, and I guess but but I will say this. Is that true for all the late eighties straight edge type bands? I mean, like look. rev bands, like and I mean, I I'll extend that to, and it's all varying levels of of like quality of the lyrics, but like from, youth of today has has things that they're about. And sing about it. Gorilla Biscuits are just writing fun songs. And, you know, like, other than saying, you know, no reason why to beat up on a poser's skin, uh, they have a very gentle vegetarian song. Um, but even even that, you're, you're, you're clicking on something I think is important. And, like, yo, I love all these bands. Let me put that out there. Outside of Instead, I like all these bands. Uh, but the lyrics don't. They're not they're not hyper aggressive one way or the other. You know, they're all pretty like unless you're young, which I think is a big piece of this is if you hear this young, you can attach to some of these messages and feel good about it. And like it's like, oh, the message of this is don't do drugs. And it's like, fuck, yeah, man. Uh, See, that that doesn't explain for me why why somebody in 20 the year, even the year 2000 would would uh dislike bold because by that time I, and i don't know the status of these men's convictions on whatever they were singing about when they were fucking 17 i is whatever but there was an understanding that very few of the straight edge bands of that era were to be held to the standard that like for example earth crisis insisted that they be held to you know like it, it, i don't it's not just milk toast or lukewarm it's also like, I think there's an understood that these are kids and nothing that they're saying really matters. It's just the enthusiasm for it 
So like, I, I, I think it goes, I, I don't know. I don't think there's anything divisive here. Like, even if you hate straight edge and you think it's stupid, you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't think that there's anything here that could trigger somebody into one feeling or another. On the music, I don't think there is. There is. You know. <clears throat> Do you think there's something to be said for like, you know, all the other youth crew bands had something? Like, Youth of Today was like kind of in your face and fucking angry. GB wrote pop songs or hardcore record, you know, for a hardcore record. Like, side by side, Jules seemed pretty con- confrontational. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like, I mean, you brought up Instead. I feel like they're the East Coast version of Instead, but they're good. Do you, well, you, do you fuck with Instead at all, Tom? Um, Maybe a little bit. Here and there. Bonds of Friendship is a decent record. Yeah, I don't, I, there's, there's a couple tracks. Like, if I'm being fair, there's, there's a couple songs that are fine, but it just didn't click with me when I was young, and some of the overly positive lyrics just kind of yeah. really wiped away from me. Um, what, what bold had their, you know, like, let's say it's a, let's use kind words and call it a hook, not a gimmick, right? Their hook always was that they were the young band. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to suggest something else though. on this record. Had this record come out and speak out time, their hook could have been that they had the best guitar playing of any of these bands like that. That could have been their hook. Like and had they put out a record past this, their their hook could have been, "Hey, we're we're almost certainly the most talented of these bands." You know, like that could have been it. Yeah, and I think that's that's where we get to. I, I think I think that they have a couple songs that are anthem anthems kind of, but I don't know if they're they're on this record. Um, they're more the speak out, and I, I mean I like this record a lot. So let's we'll we'll dive into it a little more, but. Uh, do does Bold suffer for not having like a notable like musical part? Because I think you're you you cued on something cool there, Tom, with YLT being the the leaders of it, aggressive, heavy message, etc. GB most pop tuneful sensibility, bands like Side by Side more more aggressive, really raw, faster. Bold was the younger guys. Um, Musically, is very speak out's very very mid tempo, you know. So, uh, I, I'm just going to jump in here for a second and say that uh, <clears throat> the bands that you just named, like let's say Youth of Today, Youth of Today, and Judge Gorilla, has the metal side. Yeah, it, 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 they also have front people who are personalities and stand out in their own right, right? And I don't know if Bold has that at all. Now, I, I've never taken the time to go watch old Bold videos, I'll be frank with you. So maybe they were electric uh, on stage, I don't know. But th- the things that make uh, Ray an, a, a figure isn't just that th- what he's singing about, it's also his presence. And Siv, people don't wanna give this to Siv because you know he's, kind of bald and goofy, but he is a presence. So I, I, I think that maybe we should factor in that maybe this is just a skilled front person, not a standout one. Um, yeah, I think it's it's tough. I would compare it to sports that there's different personalities, you know, and, and say, like, is Ray Capo more – he's like the Michael Jordan of the youth crew style, you know, 
And a dude like Siv, yo, Siv's like Steph Curry. You know, he's bouncy, he's effervescent, he's very likable. That's well put. And is Mike Judge uh, 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 Rodman? Who is he? Mike Judge is... You know who Mike Judge might be? It's a Charles Barkley. Oh, Charles Barkley. Barkley's pretty good. Yeah, Barkley might be good. I was going to say Pat Ewing. I was going to say Patrick Ewing with that kind of brooding big guy kind of thing. But, um, yeah, no. And Rick Mahorn. Yeah, well, you know who I was really thinking of was Charles Oakley, um, the bruiser, (laughs) (laughs) which Rick Mahorn was too, thump and bump. Um, Barkley's good with that. Uh, where does Matt Bold, by the way, uh, Matt Bold threw a football farther than I've ever seen anyone throw a football in my life. And I've gone to NFL games. Um, <laughs> that's a great detail <laughs> at positive numbers, 2005. There's a, that's a legend. It's and it's real. I saw it like Uncle in, Rico. That, in that star Wars. Yeah. Yo, in that star Wars force awakens movie when Han Solo's like dreamy, he's like the Jedi, blah, blah, blah. It's real. It's all real. Yo, Matt Bold throwing a football. It's real. I saw it. It's real. Really? <laughs> Yo, crazy. The cr- so, so, Posse Numbers 2005 was in this giant sports dome, basically, you know? Tom, were you there or no? No, I've seen the videos of, like, Underdog and everybody. Yeah, yeah. The last so one that- I went to was in, like, a firehouse or something. Yeah, that, I think, is 03. That was a good one. Um, 2005 was in this sports dome. It was the last Posse Numbers. The stage was set up kind of in the corner on one side. Uh, then the merch was lined up pretty far away along a football field. So this was a giant, like, probably could do three football fields in this dome. Matt Bold was at the end zone of the football field behind the merch, behind the crowd. And he just launches the football, and it was, like, effortless. Like, kids were playing football in there, and he just launches it. And I tight spiral couldn't believe how far it went i i it's fucking it's notable it's like it's like speak out looking back that throw holy shit <laughs> monday um, morning went in for reconstructive surgery on his right shoulder true <laughs> right okay so um a, a good front man by all notes matt bold a good front man um but a different kind of presence you know like he was a much taller guy in stature he had more of the lurking the stage vibe but it was so it was different, you know, especially I think it was different the times I've seen him because when Bold first started playing, he was like 16. So, you know, yeah. um, all right, let's talk looking back. Let's get into the record because we've been doing this. We'll talk more about the band in large, too. Let's do, let's do this. Um, so I'm the big reveal because I'm the first time listener. So yes. why don't we go with you two first to tell me what your impressions were on this list? <clears throat> Okay. Yeah, um, I'm with that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'll I'll, I'll start, and I won't go too long. I I listened a couple times this week. I still really like it. There's certain parts, um, the song "Looking Back," um, "Today We Live." There's parts of it that, when I listen to it, it really gets caught in my head. There's vocal hooks that I really like. I think Matt's vocals here could be polarizing because if you just don't like his voice, I could see that. It's not It's not a prototypical voice. Um, the songs are long, and I can see people kind of being turned off by that. That said, um, this to me fills this space that I'm going to call pre-post-hardcore. 
It is not post-hardcore. No. But it is leading that way. Um, and in the pre-post-hardcore movement, I'm also going to include the Super Touch Earth is Flat LP, the Moondog demo, and I'm going to give question marks next to the Burn 7-inch, which is clearly hardcore. But it's post. But it's, pre- yeah, it, it's pre-post. It's pre-post. It's like right there. Because you say, like, all right, the Absolutions, Absolution 7-inch, hardcore. Is the Burn 7-inch the perfect middle ground between Absolution and Die 116? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, the Quicksand 7-inch I might put in pre-post hardcore as well. Because he's figuring it out, but there's still those, like, if you listen to those songs, they're still leaning a little hardcore. And the Into Another self-titled, the very first Into Another. Whereas, as you move forward, uh, there's nothing, Into Another's full post-hardcore. But I'm putting question marks on that. Pre-post-hardcore. And there's other bands of that ilk where they're moving from hardcore to whatever comes after. And it's a little different. So, I really like the record. That said, I feel a lot of nostalgia. It's very hard for me to divorce myself from the nostalgia. The competency is fine. Um, I don't think you can compare it to some of the work that these guys did later in terms of Drew or Tom. But uh, but compared to Speak Out, it's a huge step forward. So that's I still really love the record, and I will leave on... Can I divorce from the fact that I love this when I six, when I was sixteen? No, I'm not totally sure I can. So I'm going to let Tom go. Let me just state that we have a really good podcast on because I am excited to disagree with you in a moment. <laughs> Tom, go ahead. Um, revisiting it, I still really like it. I think I like it as an adult. Um, as much as there are, you know, those feelings of kind of of um, just. You know, remembering hearing it as a kid and all this sort of stuff. Uh, the guitar work is insane. The rest of the band is like fine. Matt's yeah. a fine singer. Mm-hmm. Um, his voice is a little different on this record, which is cool. Like he's trying some other things. Um, to me, and the first thing that popped in my head for everyone that fronts like they like Turning Point, you're a poser if you don't like this. Ooh, wow, good point. Because I feel like this is the precursor. I mean, even though it didn't come really before Turning Point by very long, but it's along the same line. So I think it's like people like that worship Turning Point. I feel like it, and you think Bur- you think Bold is terrible. Like, yo, maybe- when when Bold recorded these songs, Turning Point was still on the very Youth Crew demo. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, just saying, things moved quickly. You know. Yeah, really uh, good point. The recording, the one thing that drove me nuts, and this may be insane, the goddamn cymbals were so fucking loud. The hi hat, there's a couple of things that like there's riffs going on, and there's all kinds of weird like flanger on stuff on the yes. drums and on the guitar and stuff. But I forget what it's, it might be friend that I don't need, but there's like a fucking like kind of a guitar breakdown, and you hear like, yeah. Like, like the China is just going loud. It's like a knock, but it's his yeah. fucking hi hat. It was like so. Like I was like, this is this is this means Drew went back in after everybody left. I was like, yo, can you turn my symbols up a little? Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a good record. It's not as fun as Speak Out. Um, Speak Out is a fun, good, fun record. There's a lot of good songs on that, and it's a very like like you said, it's very like 
Um, I like hardcore, like, you know, very straightforward, like dumb. It's, you know, it's not anything um, re- reinventing the wheel or anything, but I think this record's really good. And I think you could listen to this as an adult and not be, not be embarrassed. Yeah. This is my question though for you, Bob, as our resident Led Zepp guy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, isn't looking back a, is that a wink and a nod to Led Zeppelin? Cause don't they have a song about the hard, t- good times, hard times looking back. Yeah. Uh, I wonder about that. I am sure that all members of this band were aware of it. And, you know, Matt was probably a freshman in college. So it would, it would track that the dude was like, yeah, Led Zeppelin. Fuck. Yeah, man. But don't Uh, they have a part like that? Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, is it a good time? Bad times, times, hard times looking back or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good question. Is it an homage? Is it a not? I think it would be hard for it not to be. At the very least, it's if it's unintentional, man, <laughs> that's a pretty big one not to not to nod at. Um, and that's that's probably the most rocking of the songs. Pretty rock, really. You know, he's kind of rocking about on that. You know, uh, that's one of the vocal parts that I, I the need a little more, little more time. Little, yeah. little, you know, um, and I, I wonder, I do wonder what these dudes were jamming outside of hardcore. Uh, around this time period and if what the hell the influences were because there's the song structures are really different um and they're if you want to look at something funny look at the bold discography because it's in reverse order so it's the looking back stuff at the front and then speak outs in the middle and then at the back of the record is crippled youth the crippled youth songs are all like a minute long uh the speak out songs are like a minute and a half two minutes two minutes and a half and then all the looking back songs are like two and a half, three minutes, four minutes, you know? So, um, <laughs> to see that, like, Oh, you just started the, 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 you see, Oh, this is how bands like Iceburn happened. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Led Zeppelin nod with bold. I never thought of that. You're very on. I think that, that if they aren't, I'm more surprised than if they, like, I'd be more surprised if they weren't, than if they were making a nod. Right, right, right. Good question. All right, PK, you, you ready to, uh, to join the majority? Yeah. Hateful. What are those? Uh... So, uh, in my mind, I don't like bold, uh, but I do like to upset our listeners by going uh, by subverting their expectations. So I was hoping that I would really like bold on this lesson, right? And I was hoping I could come to the listeners and be like, Whoa, everybody, I, 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 on the road to Damascus, I was blinded, and now I won't persecute Christians. But so, in- so, producer, clip that audio where he said he, he wanted to like Bolt. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, here's what I found. First listen, I was big mad. I, 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 did, I was mad at this being the pick. I thought that it was abusive, and I, I, I was... Uh, uh, I'm going to file a workplace uh, uh, claim against you guys for uh, making me listen to it. Uh, second listen, I was a little less mad, and I started to pick apart what I don't like about it. It wasn't a general feeling anymore that I just don't like it. Uh, and third listen, I actually really appreciated uh, some of it a lot. Uh, the, the, I don't know if I owe half Flynn money now. Fuck, good. Well, here's here's my here's where I disagree with you, Bob. I don't see this as uh, pre-post. To me, this is uh, melodic hardcore uh, done well. 
saddled completely with heart, uh, saddled completely with bad hardcore parts. This record shines when it is melodic hardcore and is so fucking underpowered when it is hardcore. And so I found myself liking so much of the guitars. Like every song starts with a great guitar part that I'm excited for and I'm ready to take off and fucking let's play the Zeppelin track, bro, bro, boys, let's do it. And then hardcore drums. Within, within 20 seconds, hardcore drums. And I am so bummed every time the hardcore drums come in. So what I want to say about that to retort is that I think when I say pre-post hardcore, I think about some of the churning guitar parts. I think some of those lead riffs are much more akin to something you'd find in post hardcore. I think about some of the like um, the guitars uh, for for the song looking back where it breaks and it's like the quiet guitar where you could draw parallels to turning point. Um, Yes, melodic hardcore, but also leaning into some of the post stuff. That's why I don't say it's post hardcore, but it's starting to lead there, especially if you look at the journey, the arc from from true hardcore sounds of like speak out or, you know, any the way it is comp. You put any of these songs on the way it is comp, they're the other side of searching for the light. That's a fact. So that's what I'm I'm kind of leaning to. Um there's also I'll parallel this to the Super Touch LP, The Earth is Flat. Those are the two records I would say. If you love this and you don't like the Super Touch LP, please revisit. And if you like the Super Touch LP and you're not familiar with this, again, revisit. Um, there's this driving kind of level. And I, I, what you said about the drumming is really right on. It's almost like the music is veering one way, but they're, it's, a, it's a bad marriage they're resistant to divorce themselves from the hardcore drums. Yes. And that's kind of, that's where you see the strain musically. And when they nail it, it's cool. But then there's other parts where it's like in conflict with it. And obviously if the drums are going a certain way for vocal cadence and the way the song's moving, you can't all lean that way. So you just end up in this real weird configuration sonically. It, it made me wonder if, you can be a good melodic hardcore band and a bad hardcore band. <laughs> like, like it, made, it made me wonder if maybe, maybe the next record would have been the missing piece in the puzzle between so many different parts of melodic hardcore that would, would have been really interesting for me and I would have liked it. Because let, let me talk about the time period that this came out and why I was deeply confused. Because in 93, we would have been many years into Fugazi. We would have been years into Quicksand. We would have been... Uh, years into things that if this was a turning point at that point, right? Uh, 93 so, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, turning points into their split at that point. So years into things that unless this band was slow on the uptick or, or intentionally trying to stay a hardcore band, that this they should have shed some of the hardcore elements. When you tell me that 89... That makes so much more sense because Hell Yes I Cheated, uh, the Verbal Assault Record uh, Trial, uh, uh, the the American Standard Record I like. Wonderland. Th yeah. that, that is, that's what I hear in this. I hear that year of melodic hardcore that for some of them, they didn't, they, they weren't able to go all in. You know what I mean? They were still hardcore bands, they, they but they were, they were fur maybe further along. Although here's what I'm going to say in this record's defense. The guitar playing is really good. 
You know what I mean? And it is of a slightly different, and this is where you, I, where we disagree slightly, but but we both agree that there is that uh, kind of uh, how would I describe it? Uh, less less busy, uh, but somehow more dense post-hardcore sound to the guitars that is good, right? But uh, but I am. Uh, 89 makes sense to me fully now. Uh, if it was 93, I kind of would have been judging these guys. <laughs> and I would have been saying, if this is a intent, if this is intentional, that's cool. Everybody's got the type of music that turns them on. But otherwise, you just look slow to a thing that everybody else was way ahead on at this point. I got a hot take. Hit us. <clears throat> and this will hit Pat, maybe. I don't think quicksand happens the way quicksand happens without this record. Oh, maybe. Because maybe. Tom Capone's main lane in quicksand is the deedle deedle guy. Walter's playing the fucking the crunch, the crunchy mosh parts, a chunk. And I mean, if you've seen them without, without Tom, it's yeah. pretty obvious. I think like yeah. he plays a lot of those, like the leads that are, that aren't solos they're just do, kind of, do, do, do. and i feel like this was part and parcel of maybe walter being like hey you remember that all that stuff you did on looking back maybe do a little bit of that maybe a little slower yeah. i feel like there's yeah. a lot to it that like and that's the, the the kind of the guitar playing on this sort of informed his his playing on quicksand uh, pre post art there you go yeah I think you're almost certainly right about that because this is a proving ground for Capone. This this is all quite good. You know, what I mean, it, it, it's. Uh, I, I just I like the song "Hateful." You know, I mean, I can say that. All uh, right. I, hey, I like we expected. I, I like I like every song has good guitar parts, uh, but I think this is truly saddled with too much hardcore and not a full commit to melodic hardcore. And while I'm at it, hatefully. Uh, You're the friend I don't need is two minutes longer than it needs to be. Yes. How, yeah, I won't. De- I won't debate some of the song length stuff. I think that is again the showcase of of hey, we're trying to we're trying to make we're trying to do more, and quite often the mistake people make is doing more by writing longer as opposed to let's make our two and a half minute song better. Just like let's tighten it up. Um, where are you at? And uh, Pat first, and Tom. Um, where are you at with Matt's vocals? And, and that's for you, Pat, in general. But Tom, what do you think of Matt's vocals between this and Speak Out? So, Pat, go ahead. Uh, in general, I think his vocals are totally serviceable and I have no problems with them. I, I think that actually the songs where he's asked to do more, he rises to the occasion. It's still a hardcore vocalist, but I don't think that it suffers from that at all. Like, do, you think, do you think it's unique? No. <clears throat> no, I don't. Or some parallels. Uh, it's a good question, but I. But okay, so like, you think Mark Ryan is a parallel? A little bit, but that's about it. But but Matt's voice is so much deeper. You know what I mean? That when he starts, because I, I he's more croony, he right? Croons. And, and that that's that's the part when he starts doing that, he gets to a more unique place. Like Matt Bold on Speak Out, pretty pretty standard. You know, but like does the job, no question. Well, on here, when he starts doing a little more, I think he has a little bit of inflection with a register that 
I can't think of many parallels for him. Well, I, I'm also straight up like this is just confessing a bias on my part. I like when vocalists exceed their ability. I, I, I think that that's unless it's brutal, like me trying to sing like fucking Kate Bush or some shit. Like then, I think that you, I think to be playing to be singing slightly above your ability while your band is in the pocket of what they're capable of playing, I think is actually incredibly charming. So, so, so like I, I, you know, I was uh, I'm, I'm not the only one. Obviously, the records were popular, but I was uh, in George's corner from Blacklisted from Jump when he started doing more. I was like, oh no, this kid has got it. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't got it. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't. But he's pushing to the utmost limit of what he's capable of, and I like it. And you can say that uh, that Matt and his band is doing that on a number of tracks. Uh, probably yes. the title, probably the title track. Uh, probably. Um, let's see. Looking back, it's the one where it's most notable because they actually get into that rock groove, and yeah. you know. And although I don't. Although I don't like the track, I think he's got some good moments on uh, You're the Friend I Don't Need to. Um, I, I think that he is totally serviceable. My problem, I, well, I don't have a problem with it, to be frank. Um, I, would, I don't think he has as much personality as you do, but uh, I don't think that he, he doesn't punish this record at all. I, I, don't, I think personality is a wrong word because I don't think he's got a ton of personality. I think his inflection and register, like where he's at, is is unique and so i should say that like i don't hear tons of personality oozing out of the voice it's it's like um for example death threat two word connecticut dude has a good amount of personality however that kind of the tone of his voice is what really sets it apart you know what i mean and so that's in a similar way what i would say about matt bold here well, okay. With that in mind, if we're going to compare, if we're going to compare it to Death Threat, that's interesting because Death Threat to me is love it or hate it. Once you hear those vocals, you're in or you're out. I don't experience this with. I don't experience that with with this dude with uh, Matt Bolt. But if somebody did, that's interesting to me. I mean, I've, certainly it's probably like that with every vocalist to an extent. But uh, yeah, I get it. Tom, where, where are you at on his vocals here, but then also the growth from Speak Out? Like, do you prefer them on Speak Out to here? Do you think, I mean, do you have neither preference? Where are you at? Um, I think they're obviously better here. Um, like I, like Pat was saying, like, I appreciate him trying something a little different, doing a little, like, croony. Um, and I think I'm going to use Pat's favorite um, word, but he's very arm's length, and I think that's a big part of the band, too. Um like Aaron Deathret, like he's got like a kind of that like his tone is pretty like it is what it, you know, but like he's got such a personality. Like you hear that dude on, and he could be singing fucking country music, and you'd be like, that, that Aaron from Deathret. <laughs> like I don't think there's now. I do want to hear that country record. I, hey Aaron, Tio listen. So if Tio, if you want to write a, a, a four song seven inch for Aaron to to croon over, I think we can make this happen. Um. Matt kind of just croons in a like he's not singing he's not Zoli, no. but does some like sort of interesting stuff. I like the vocals on Speak Out, but it's it's fucking hardcore one hundred and one. It's not anything like that. It's that impressive. Like I don't right. think he, he's probably you know who the fifth out of five singers of like his crew. Right. 
we should also note he was probably three years younger than those guys when three years may, it meant a lot too. So that's um, true too. I think there's a good chance that Matt. Let's let's take a quick look and see if we can find his age. Well, uh, can I, can I, I, I have a feeling he was he was younger than those guys by a lot, and it's uh, he's probably not even fifty. Oh no 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 no! Like forty eight, so. I bet. Yeah. I remember he. We played a show at the Wetlands with like, ah, fuck, shut down and like a bunch of different. I it was like either we played two shows there. I can't remember. I can't remember which one this was. I think this was like a summer one, like with like Strife, but Strife canceled, whatever. And it was like, oh shit, Matt Bold is uh, is coming. Like it was like we were warned that Matt Bold was coming. And at the time, we both did Bold covers. Yeah. <laughs> Incision did Nail to the X, and Shutdown did uh, Wise Up. He would not do nail to the X for <laughs> yep. reasons that are pretty clear. Yep. Um, but he did. He sang uh, "Wise Up" with Shutdown. Number one got the most insane reaction. You was like a hate breach song, and I remember him showing up and being like, "This dude's like three years older than us." <laughs> like, he was still like a kid. He was like probably like a twenty-seven year old or something. Like yes, yeah. He wasn't. I mean, and this is nineteen ninety-seven, so he might have been twenty-five. But we're thinking bold, like all oh, these dudes are old. But right, because he, so he, I mean, this is a dude, like, I think, I think Crippled Youth was a band when he was, like, 13. You know what I mean? Right, and I came out in 86, so he was born in 72. Right. Some right. of them are, like, friends from, like, the shore or, the, or like, you know what I mean? Yes, like, that's very true. <laughs> like, he's probably Jeff Sayerville's age. Um, so, yeah, or, or maybe a couple years no, older. Jeff's, Jeff, Jeff's on the younger side, but. Yeah, but Jeff's younger, yeah. Yeah, but there's, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely not old, like. Um, right. Which, yeah. so, so that's kind of the fun thing to talk about, like. We're, we're saying, like, oh, he was unremarkable and speak out. But it, it's also when you say that, like, hey, this, this dude between the age of 17 and 18 made a leap on his vocal abilities. And it's like, huh, pr- good job, dude. Can, can, uh, can I take us in a Ignite uh, tangent for a second, please? Always. We're slowly getting there. We're, uh, we're becoming an Ignite fan club. So, so, <laughs> so Zoli's name came up and it got me, got me out of thing. What is the cover to Our Darkest Days? Could you could you guys describe it to me? Yeah, it's a band's name and text kind of centered across the middle and some kind of red fiery kind of looking thing. Maybe it's a cityscape. I never really looked at the image that tough. It's close. No. I can like see it, but I couldn't tell you one thing from it. Okay. And then there is an Ignite record that has the like the Soviet style working person sort of thing. Is that right? So far from home, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. so far from so far from home might be it. Okay. Anyway, so so our darkest days. Uh, shout out to J Rugs Designs, uh, uh, who I bought a design off recently on Instagram. Great designer. Uh, everybody check his shit out. It's uh, J Rugs uh, underscore Designs with a Z. Uh, so look at this image. I, I, I just, it's an, it's an Ignite promo. And I want you to take a look at this and tell me what this looks like to you, okay? Oh, no, that's not it. I'm giving them emojis. Okay. What does that look like to you? Ah, fucker. Uh, Hazen Street. Looks like the Hazen Street cover. Uh, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's live video, right? What am I, what yeah, am I like doing? like like the getting the the center stage light, but also maybe it's, it's oiled him. up. 
I'm saying I'm saying this is Zoli and they're playing outside and that's the cops rolling up on him, lights on him. And he's like, fuck no, we ain't gonna stop. Fuck you. This is in a studio and he oiled up and there's a there's yes. a mic, there's a giant light behind him. We'll call that's that the exactly. reality. Yeah. That's <laughs> do you do you wanna hear what I think the inspiration is? That's Freddie Mercury at fucking Live Aid. Look at that. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's literally the image. That's insane to me. It looks like him like, doing Radio Gaga. Yeah, and that, but the check, right and like check yeah, it out. Like you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Like uh, it, to me, it's like insane. It's got like the fake sweat effect on there and all that. You know what I mean? That's done right, by like yeah, that jacked. <laughs> so like I don't know. That just blew my mind. That like because I have no doubt that Zoli's a a, a, a Queen fan. You know what I mean? Like, no, no question about that. So I was I was looking at that being like, wow, I wonder if he is just was in a full Freddie Mercury state of mind at that time. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, and then it rem- I was reminded immediately with the next post that Hazen Street w- w- did exist at one point. Um, so uh, I've been on Hazen Street. So so Tom, um, real Hazen, quick, I'll explain Hazen Street to you, Bob. OK, <laughs> Hazen Street is the main street that work that runs through Rikers Island. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. yeah. And it starts like right outside, so you can be like, like every address on Rikers Island is like fifteen dash fifteen Hazen Street, yeah, blah blah yeah. blah. But it starts like in Queens, which is like, so over there. It's like East Elmhurst Astoria area, so like you could actually live on Hazen Street and like live in a house. That's like crazy. there are houses literally like two blocks away from Rikers Island. Is that right? One hundred percent. I used to, I still have to go over there for work. Well, not now, but. So, so wait, Tom, help me understand. The street obviously ceases to exist and then exists again? Is that what no, happens? Like, it starts early. Like, imagine, like, it literally starts, like, you know, four blocks in, in mainstream Elm, East Elmhurst, Queens, and it continues all the way in through Rikers. Ah, okay. okay. It's like, because it, it goes over, like, there's a bridge... There's a whole, you know, because it's an island, obviously. Um, but like, literally, like, you'll get off Rikers Island if if we dropped you off somewhere, you'd be like, "Am I on my island?" Like, you would have no idea that like the mile from you, not even. It's, it's wild. Huh? That's crazy. I like that. Um, huh? Well, I'm gonna have to come to you to explain a few other things about Hazen Street later. Sure. What was your question, sir? Uh, no. Uh, um, wh- who would you recommend this bold record to? That that isn't Any, already familiar with. with ears. You know what I mean? Anyone with ears? Yeah. Um, no, I think like you like one step closer. You might like bold. You like anxious. You might like bold. You like um, like fiddlehead. You like anything that's going on more melodic these days. I think you might actually be sort of into this. Like, I, I feel like this doesn't sound like, I think the big thing that we always face in anyone, you know, people going backwards and trying to like hear history. It sounds like it's a fucking 90 year old record. I don't know if this necessarily does. Like, I think speak out, like give you us to it. Now you're like, Oh, okay. Like I can listen to fucking, you know, 19 bands, from 1998 that did this and sounded better. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Speak, out could have been recorded, Speak Out could have been recorded by Neanderthals. Yeah. But I think with this record, like, 
we, we were talking about it on one. Like, this is a record you could have on um, if you had a job in an office. Stick with me, Pat. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. That you could have it playing and, like, you know, like, motherfucker, you can't have Poison the Well playing when someone walks in your goddamn office. No. But, like, if someone walked in and you're listening to, like, Today We Live, you'd be like, you wouldn't rush to fucking turn it down. Yeah, you, you, you turn the volume down. But it could be, still be on. If you're listening to Opposite of December, you're looking for the stop button as quickly as you can. You're unplugging right. the you're speakers. Like, super bad. like are yeah. you, you going through something? Yeah, okay. Um, but I think, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of like the Triple B stuff. Um, I mean, even I don't even know if like some of the earlier Run for Cover stuff would actually. You might jive with some of this. Um, oh, and I think you, yeah. I mean, the earliest of Run for Cover stuff. I I'm always surprised. I shouldn't be surprised. No disrespect to those guys. They they were they were entirely a popular band at the moment, but I didn't know that Sinking Ships had any legacy at all. But every time they come up, people let us know that like oh, they were very very yeah people love them. Still. Yeah, a lot of love. If you are a Sinking Ships fan, we should have gotten Paul DC on this episode because he could have talked about fucking bold for hours. You know what I mean? I I'm going to bet that he took a lot from this. Yeah, we, we should. Um, he took some from this, I'm sure. I mean, he was versed for sure. I think a lot of turning point, a lot of in my eyes. Um, and then some of this kind of stuff. I mean, they, they were well versed. They were pulling from sources that you wouldn't necessarily grab either, um, which is like a huge credit to him. So uh, of the melodic bands of their, their time frame, um, and really of all the bands from their area, I think, I think Sinking Ships and Go It Alone are the ones that hold up, and the rest are a lot less interesting to me. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point on on all the ones you said, Tom. I, I'd include, man, there's something. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the turning point comment is one that is a big takeaway for me because it's not like the turning point LP and this record sound the same, but they start to pull a lot of little things and little tricks that that. It's like, oh, I see what you did there. You know, um, yeah. I always said that the Turning Point LP, I'm like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'd like it more if I hadn't loved Vision in the Blink of an Eye a lot more before that. So For that's sure. another record. I would put the Vision in the Blink of an Eye record in a similar bucket as this, um, where it's melodic, but not. And, and maybe that's, that's when Pat says that he sees this as a melodic record. Um, when it's at its best, I, I see some of those parallels too. Uh, Pat, who would you say this record you'd recommend this record to? Tom just nailed, I think, the primaries, especially the contemporary ones. Well, the contemporary is a little. I'm glad he covered that because that's a little harder uh, for me um, because I, I I could see where anybody would for anybody, for example, one step closer. Anybody, it, Tom's right. Anybody that wants to closer should at least check this out. However, also, abuse of power. I'd like to. Oh, totally, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally missed that, but abuse of power, absolutely. That okay, abuse of power and mill spec. If you like those bands, this is a band for you for sure. Fiddlehead, yes, yes, yes. Um, so uh, that that's helpful uh, because to me, the only part of this that I think is going to be rough is that this has definitely been refined since this time. So if you're 19 and you are, for example, really into One Step Closer, I'm, I don't want to 
I don't want bold fans coming at me because I said one step closer is better than bold. I, I, whatever. I'm just going to say that there has been the fat has been cut. We are now dealing. We're now dealing with prime sirloin here. You know what I mean? Like, like we we are. It, it's a uh, wait. What's it, that cut of meat called again? Listen, it's been 25 years since I was going to say this is how vegan you are. Sirloin? Did he say? Yeah, he, he's a, a prime sirloin. Sh- He's, so, he's on so, a schlong. I thought he was talking about like how he always says haram. I was like, oh, maybe that's just some like word that I haven't been hip to yet. No, Sirlon is my graffiti name. Uh, so it, it, what I'm saying is it, this has been distilled. And yes. uh, this would be the crude oil that some of you uh, can't power your car with. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it's, uh, it's certainly worth checking out. And for the record, I don't know if, if you owe Pat Flynn money or vice versa. I will just say that I will likely not revisit this, but it did not pain me on third listen. And the fact that you said that people sh- certainly should check it out, I think uh, I'm going to go collect my $20 from Pat Flynn. Um, <laughs> Happy to help. Yeah. So um, we should get to some feedback because a lot of people submitted feedback. Really, thank you, everyone who's into this. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. Really cool. We got well – I mean – between Instagrams, Twitter, and email, I'd say we got 50-something responses, uh, which is awesome. We're not going to be able to get into all of them um, because that feels like it could be a little bit painful. Uh, but let's let's touch on a few of them. Uh, Tom, do you want to kick us off? Pat, you want to kick us off? Who, who wants sure, to start? Sure, I'll kick it off. I'll Beautiful. set it off. Here we go. Um, I'm going to go from the bottom. Hello out there. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on the corner of Gray Street. Uh, now we're here. Yes. From our friend uh, Christopher, I will not read your entire name. 
um, just in case you're on the – you have a .ch email address. So maybe you're in somewhere in Chile. Could that be Chile? Mm. Uh, yeah. Maybe you followed Pat's thing and you're like, yo, if you don't want to pay your school loans, just move to Chile. That's cool. <laughs> Um, so our friend Christopher said, uh, good morning. So I went into this with an open ear as I had never been a Bolt fan, but it had been at least 10 years since I've heard a note of theirs. Much to, much to my surprise, I didn't hate it. I expected to, but it, it didn't suck is the best thing I can say about it. Willing to go, will it go into rotation for me? No. Pros. Stellar hardcore drumming. Oh, Cons. Yeah. I mean, Drew's a great hardcore drummer. It's true. Um, Cons feels weird to say for a record twenty-two ish minutes long, but it felt felt a little uh, for a record twenty-two ish minutes in length, but too long. There wasn't a song that couldn't have benefited from losing thirty seconds and a couple that were two minutes too long. Chris, P.S. The first edition of the Record Club was killer. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, and I one thousand percent agree that like they could have used an editor because he's like a friend that was a friend like a friend I don't need. You're a friend, You're the friend I, don't I don't need. Yeah, does not need to be four minutes. So, That's so we should, Yeah, we should really note. Um, yes, when you go late, this record's twenty-two minutes. It's only seven songs, so you you divide that up. It's it's a well over three minute average. Um, well, yeah, well over. It's it's over three minutes a song. This was originally released as an EP, four songs. But that said, those four songs are on the longer side. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so even that, you know, uh, and, and, you know, what's funny to think about is I was talking about something, but the idea of like, what happens if you put Alan Cage on this record or what oh. happens even if you put Drew Thomas three years later or four years later when, because by into another, that dude's fucking killing it, you Got know, yep. right. Um, so yeah, great comments. Uh, I'm going to read one from Liam, but uh, Liam really did us the honor of uh, going hard. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to point out that he had a, uh, an awkward interaction uh, with, uh, I guess the singer of, uh, yeah, with the singer of old, with, what's his name? Matt. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he had an awkward interaction with Matt. Uh, maybe they, use a urinal next to each other or some shit. Uh, and, uh, it caused him to just have like a, eh, eh, I don't like that. Uh, but he credits Pat Flynn for peaking some interest in it and, and sort of being, uh, uh, the advocate that it needed <clears throat> because on this listen, he developed a different perspective. He says, yes, the recording is not my favorite and the vocals do not always work for me. However, for my ear now running like thieves to hateful is five song, a five song run. I really enjoy with the exception of the break in always try. I love the riffs, the weird guitar parts. I think the only thing I am frustrated with is some of the drum recording, uh, as you pointed out, Tom. Um, Re-listening right now, and holy shit, some of the guitar work is so weird and interesting for what it is. I guess when I was younger, I just wasn't ready to appreciate that. I can understand that. Um, so uh, he finds the lineage of the thing very interesting, and then he finishes with, now I still don't think I'm going to get a bold hoodie, but I have gained a certain respect for this weird record and really think I'm becoming a fan. Uh Thank you very much to Liam. That's uh, so Liam. Liam gave us a lot, and I just cherry picked. But uh, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, nice seeing you. Uh, Matt Lantrip wrote: First time listening to Bold. Decided to listen to both albums. First album didn't sound like anything special to me. Looking back, sounds like they were listening to late '80s Metallica and the Wayne's World soundtrack. Decent <laughs> overall. Wouldn't go back too often to this one. 
maybe something late 2000s or early 2010s for the next record club. Matt, thank you. Um, we'll, uh, we'll see. We, we, the record club is going to be kind of all over the place. We'll see where we want to go. Tom, hit us. All right, our friend Vince <clears throat> uh, will not give out your full government. Um, what's up, gang? I listened to both bold records for the record club since I'd never heard them before. Which can I just interject? I fucking love that energy. The Thanks. best, the best. That's thank, literally thank you the so much. Is, like we want people to revisit here for the first time, and thank you for being honest. Because yeah. I feel the one thing in hardcore that w- was never really kind of um, accepted was like I don't know this. Like you had to fake it until you made it. Yeah. At least when I was a kid, I'd be like, yeah, of course I got three copies of the fucking Antidote Seven Inch, whatever, man. Like, and I'd be like, I don't know. I know one song. That's it, because I'm a fucking poser. I appreciate that people can kind of be like, you know what? I'm a hardcore kid. I consider myself a hardcore kid. I never listened to Bold in my entire life. I respect the honesty, and I think that I, I think that's the uh, energy that we're looking for. That's real growth, people. Yes. Very excited. Seriously. The, yeah. the first record reminds me of how Pat describes Undertow as being played by people with lobster claws. It sounds like Youth of Today minus everything that makes Youth of Today great. Not wrong. Not wrong. Um, looking back is definitely a step forward. Song structures are a lot more interesting. The production is more to my liking. The drumming is by far the most improved part of the second record. Pat's on the outside. Um, I thought it stood out on looking back after arguably being the worst part of Speak Out. The drumming on Speak Out, pretty bad. That's that's what people are responding to. It's um, um, it's, it's people making that comparison between the drumming from Speak Out to looking back. There, It is a huge step forward. And, and what happens is Drew just continues on that trajectory to becoming a very, very good drummer. So. Right. Um, you know, hints of new of tougher New York hardcore. He says it's also obvious that they heard the inside out seven inch, but this predated it. Yep. I think. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I didn't feel much of an emotional connection to this album, which is what we had talked about earlier. I don't know what this sounded like when it came out, but to me, it's a boring amalgam of stuff that had already been done, with a few exceptions. I like the pinch harmonic chorus. I'm looking back; it's the only part of the album I can remember vividly. Also, who was the first hardcore ba- band to do clean arpeggios, like at the halfway point? of you're the friend that I don't need and the, or the beginning of hateful. I always associated that sound with strife and one King down, but those bands post date or run concurrently with this album. Did bold introduce us to hardcore. I would be surprised if that was the case because I don't find this album to be inventive. Otherwise talk soon. Vince. That's interesting. And that, that's like a real, that's a great you don't question. Find, you don't find too many music historic, like music historians within hardcore. You get a lot of culture historians, but, uh, to find like the actual break point where this is the first introduction, uh, that's uh, interesting. This, I, I think there's some weird uh, on the punk side of things. You get that on some of the early '80s, like and between '82 and '84, you get some stuff like that in peace punk and like crust and like that darker crust stuff. Like uh, Monolith has a lot of stuff, not not the arpeggios, but it has a lot of light guitar stuff going on. That, yeah, that like clean guitar. Know. Who does that? Yeah. I mean. In 1989, nobody was doing that. Like, for like, not in the NYHC scene. Yeah, no, right. No. Um, and yeah, that that was a big distinction. I think I responded to Vince actually and told him, "Oh, 93 is when the re-release came. 89s when Bold originally recorded these songs." So sure. he's like, "Oh, so this does predate that stuff by some time." All right, Pat, what you got? Uh, well, I- I'm going to read two because I'm just going to sum them up. Fritz says that his uh, six-month-old son uh, does not share his enthusiasm for bold. Uh, <laughs> he, he cried. He cried the cried the entire time. Uh, and uh, oh goodness! Uh, oh wow! Did you guys read? 
We did read mics or we didn't read mics? No, these are all yours. You you have yours are exclusive to you. Holy shit. We got so we really 50 is well, okay. Go uh, read it. Just read it. Don't don't worry about it. We we're a podcast that goes long and we've got plenty of time. Sure, sure. No, but I just don't want to abuse people's ears too much. We, we got a so okay. Uh so this Michael digs the album art. Uh he listened three times, once while showering, once while scraping paint off of the windows, and once on a walk. Didn't, I didn't love the record, but it had some catchy writing, clever guitar bits, and decent mosh parts. It has much better production than the first EP, and the writing style is different and improved. Okay, we all agree with that. The early material is sloppy and fun, and while I get while people dig it, it seems like C-rate early youth crew uh, hardcore. This album feels like C-rate post-hardcore or melodic hardcore, I guess. I feel like Bold did, it did influence a lot of bands I like. I think Give, Title Fight, Sunstroke, Praise, and obviously some Pat Flynn projects would have members who would cite this album as an influence. Uh, he also does say that this record feels long, uh, which is what I think we're going to hear across the board. I, I, I don't know if there's any debate, even if you like this record a lot, I think we're probably going to find uh, that that's the, that's the case. Um, he breaks it down song by song, uh, and he is really thorough. <laughs> yeah, I remember that email. That was a really good one. Yeah, it is. Uh, so shout out to Mike. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, he doesn't like Hateful as much as I do. I think Hateful is a standout track on this. Um, all right, th- go on, fellas. All right, so uh, our buddy Dave hit us in the, the email. What up, Dave? And we'll, you know what we'll do we'll, for future record clubs? Sign off your email how you'd like us to address you so we don't give out your governments. Uh, if you don't want it, but you know, you could be Dave from Cincinnati or whatever the fuck you want to be. But this yeah. is Dave from Austin, Texas. And Dave, also, if, also, if your pronouns are, are vastly different from like what we would immediately presume based on your name, like if your name's Mike, and I just default to calling you he. Yeah. It's not an effort. Yeah. It's not an effort to disrespect you. So just if if your pronouns are wildly different, let us know so we can say yeah, it. Yeah, right. we. We make the effort, government issue style. Um, Dave starts by saying he had not revisited this record since probably the late 90s. He was aware of Bold through the way it is. He heard speak out in 94 or 95. Uh, I liked it, but it wasn't Youth of Today, GB, or Side by Side. Tracks, though. I appreciated that they're young. I heard looking back a little bit later, maybe 96, 97, and did not care for it. I wasn't looking for any type of post-hardcore, so I wrote it off. Fast forward to 2020, here we are. I still don't care for this. I revisit Speak Out here and there and like it a bunch more. I still, It still isn't as good as the Wild TLP, GB record, or Side by Side, and that's okay. So with this record, I like Hardcore, and I like Steve Vai. I don't need him soloing on Hardcore songs. Mm. I appreciate the noodling on the Beyond LP. I see it as an homage to the Bad Brains. The noodling on this 12-inch is too far. It's wanking. This isn't terrible, but I just don't need this kind of departure. It's like the youth crew version of DYS self-titled or SSD How We Rock. Running Like Thieves being the best song on here, probably. I appreciate this, that this exists, I guess. Maybe I'll revisit it in a couple months and see if I can find something more in it. Thanks, Dave. Did he compare it to How We Rock? Yeah. That's brutal. <laughs> really brutal. Yeah, he, he did not care for the record. Tom, hit us. All right, this is from our friend Sean from Sunstroke. Hello, Sean. <clears throat> 
uh, bold looking back. I was really excited about the selection for the record club. I've always felt this is a sneaky influence on a lot of people, maybe even one they don't admit to. Bold is always going to be re- remembered as a, for a shirt design and being very young in comparison to the rest of the scene. The record showed they could pull more influences together and create something a little bit more unique. Um, I don't think uh, many other bands showed as much of an influence from 70s stadium rock as Bold did on looking back. You can hear this, in, which is very true, because you think Ian McKay always mentions fucking Ted Nugent. Yep. As one of his, like, also for the clean living and the other stuff. But, like, that dude has never written a note that sounds like fucking uh, Ted Nugent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can hear this in the, the most in uh, I'm Looking Back, Hateful, and Today We Live. The addition of Tom Capone is gigantic, and I can hear um, a lot of what he was doing and beyond. I think the throughway to quicksand is there, just far less noticeable. Good call. Um, I think the weakest element of the, of the record is the transitions from slower melodic parts to the more aggressive parts. The stop and yes. start could be smoothed out a bit. Yes. Yes. Standout tracks, Running Like Thieves, Looking Back, Hateful, Today We Live. And also, big up to the mosh part and You're the Friend That I Don't Need. Great mosh part. Um, although, I remember, you know what? They played a reunion at CB's mid-aughts. Yep. It was before Porcel joined again. Yep. And it was that big, like, like the fucking mosh bar. Like, you know? And Tom Capone stepped on his fucking, yep. Yeah, he he stepped on his guitar cord and unplugged himself. So it was like all it was was bass and dun dun. It was the biggest fucking cock tease I've ever. Um, oh, that sucks. I still remember moshing alongside Pat Flynn in Connecticut in two thousand five during. Um, he didn't finish the sentence. Thank you, and let's keep this record club going beyond COVID nineteen. He also included a flyer from the show that he was. So it was. Uh, I didn't. I don't even remember the show. Uh, Connecticut Posse Fall Fest. <laughs> I don't even remember this. Oh. October 1st, 2005. I'll read from the bottom. Fired up. Oh, upper hand. Fired up. Countdown to life. Have heart. Lion of Judah. Triple threat. Good, clean, fun. Up front. Bold and outspoken. Wow. There you I go. I do Mid-off. remember beyond playing Connecticut, but I don't remember the show. Uh, Connecticut in the mid-aughts had a little weird kind of scene of mixed stuff. And um, shout out to Connecticut. They got a lot of cool shit going on. Um, They do. Driving through Connecticut. Worst garbage. Uh, Greg hit us with a cool email. This record is amazing. I've always been a fan of Speak Out, yet my metal friends always tell me, looking back, is the better Bold. Bold at this age reminds me of skateboarding. The song Wise Up especially. But to this album... This album hits hard as fuck. The intro makes me want to step on the skateboard and tread through my town, but I'm fat, old, and injured, so maybe maybe in a year. One thing for sure is that I never noticed the riffs and ripping solos on this. My metal friend was right all along. Maybe it's because Tom worshipped Satan, which makes this record metal as hell. Maybe this is true metalcore? The solo on Friend I Don't Need is just something else. Thanks, Greg. Uh, that's an interesting comment here because... It's got metal and it's clearly hardcore, but you know, by modern definitions, metalcore is very, very different than this. This isn't even. Could you see a through line to this being proto proto metalcore? Uh, perhaps, but I think that there was so many bands that were already like this was Integrity era, right? Like, or no, just no, this is this is pre. This is alongside. This comes out. What's the what's the, the first seven inch comes out before Judge bringing it down? Oh, okay. all right, all right. Maybe then. Maybe. Fuck it. Maybe. All right. Uh, I'm gonna read from Alan, who so closely echoes what what Tom's last reader or last uh, writer said. Sean. 
he says he says a lot and he uh you know like to him he had no experience with gold prior to this he, he's coming he prefers metal riffs and this is like not necessarily where he was going to arrive naturally but he does say in the middle of his uh thing the music has some swing to it today we live and hateful especially always uh try a little uh, always try a little also and i'd even say looking back Feels like these dudes had older brothers with Blue Oyster Cult and early Aerosmith records that they jammed the shit out of when they were 12 before some pederasts uh, working at the local Sam Goody or whatever handed them a copy of the Bad Brains record. It was actually on play through through number three of this that I started to think, play through number three of this, that I started to think I was hearing a new wave of British heavy metal influences. I shit you not. Uh, And he he goes on to say a lot, but uh, including Please Never Stop Doing This. He appreciates the deep dives. It's really nice sound. Um, but I, uh, I thought that that was interesting that two of our listeners immediately heard, uh, either classic metal or classic rock in this, like just straight away. For sure. For sure. Tom. All right. I'm going here. All right. Um, from our friend Colin, AKA Roswick. Yeah. Um, in the late nineties, I owned a rev comp CD for whatever reason at the time, the bold track featured didn't click with me i forget what's on that um that uh in flight thing yeah, flight sampler yeah. look. Um, i really discovered bold in the early mid 2000s through today's similar artists on last fm and a downloaded discography from some sketchy site via zip file oh those days um bit, bit, days. yeah those days those fucking days when you just put a title and uh Media, media fire, fire into google um been a big fan since seen them several times live um and used to always rock my bold hat that i lost at a drug church show so hat took it off ripped it ripped it off the wall and threw it on the floor yeah i, <laughs> I, I took it from his hand and I, sh- I shook my head i'm like you're not gonna be wear that at one of my shows not here buddy um, thank you for this interesting exercise that I found. I found it fun and challenging to sit down and thoroughly dissect the album. There's some questionable song structure decisions, yes, and some pretty sloppy drumming, yes. But overall, I still really like this album a lot. I never understood why people hated them so much, but now I can kind of sort of understand how it may not be for some. Um, so he wrote some thoughts. Um, Running Like Thieves, this is a gateway song for me. Um, memorable and uh, catchy lyrics. Um, You're the friend I don't need. The buildup always gets me pumped. Um, you could have shaved a minute off the song. Yes, um, I know there were younger guys compared compared to the rest of the scene at the time. But how old is Matt's? How old is Matt when these lyrics were written? I feel like his friend situation True. he's singing about could have easily been disputed by a face to face conversation and a high five. Um, <laughs> very good, good line, great line. Um, always try the first half of the track is throwaway, but the transition at the one nineteen mark into the breakdown is awesome. Um, looking back, three right there. Yeah. That's it. Huge fan of the chorus and use of breaks. I'm always a fan of New York hardcore type groove at 130 mark. The biggest question I have about this track is: Is it good enough to name the album after? Don't know about that. Um, hateful. The post intro riff leading to the verse is very dope. I wish there was a little bit more crunch. Matt extremely talented about making the cadence of lyrics unique, and it's most apparent here. You know what? We didn't really touch on that, and I think he's right. Yeah, I do too. Actually, very I, cool I cadence think- to like what he does and how he lays out the lyrics. Um, speak out. I want more Thin Lizzy kiss parts. I think this song could have been simplified quite a bit, but I do love the last minute of the song in contrast to the front half. And lastly, Today We Live, perfect bold song, maybe my favorite. Oh, okay. Thanks, Colin Roswick. Great email. All right, this one's, this one's particularly cool. I think you guys will love this energy. 
Uh, to give a little background, I am 18 years old and got into hardcore over the last two years coming from metalcore. Bands like Knock Loose, Vane, Turnstile, and Incendiary. As well as checking out the classic bands like The Bad Brains, Black Flag, and Minor Threat. I've discovered a lot more hardcore from your podcast since I started listening a few months ago, and I appreciate what you guys do as it gives me a place to talk about hardcore when not many of my friends have interest in it. I'm going to pause right there. We don't often read praise, but uh, that is one of the coolest things I've ever heard, especially being someone who's young. Uh, I hope that, uh, Connor, you email us more, because and, and we hear from quite a few younger listeners it's fucking awesome. And, and regardless of age, it's incredible when we get the chance to feel like we're exposing people to stuff we like, don't like, and, and just get a chance to talk about it. Thank you. That's really, really cool. Um, back to the email. Going into this record, I had no idea what to expect, as I am not familiar with Bold at all and near clueless to 90s hardcore. On first listen, I really was not into the record and found that the first few tracks dragged and could have been cut down to be more concise. I enjoyed the title track as well as Today We Love, Today We Live. I enjoyed the album more after the first listen and began to pick up on the more metal influences, particularly in the riffs and drumming styles. Some of the intros reminded me a lot of uh, reminded me of Iron Maiden or Metallica to an extent. I also found the vocal style to be interesting. Overall, this record grew on me, but the mix and some of the long-winded tracks do take away from some enjoyment. This record won't be in my frequent rotation, but I don't think I would turn it off if someone else played it. Connor, thank you. Great email. Love that. I'm going to read one from Jack. Uh, I'm going to start in the middle. I honestly cannot tell if he likes this or not. Oh, no, yes, I can. Uh, <clears throat> lyrics are as deep as an 18-year-old looking back at being 16 could be. Uh, production is unflattering. The guitar and drum tones are pretty weak. It's pretty weird to me how Tom Capone did Beyond No Longer at Ease also in 1989, yet everything about that release sounds much bigger and well more accomplished performance-wise than this. I don't agree with that. I guess some of the parts featured on this could have inspired some of the new age record stuff that came after, almost certainly. Uh, but that's a push. In short, Bold sucks, and anyone who shills for them is a period scheme seller for the evangelical youth crew Illuminati. Thanks, Jack. Wow. Uh, yeah, you know, shout out to Jack. I replied because Jack actually uh, does uh, a project, uh, has a little side thing that I won't, I won't mention because he didn't i don't know if he wants it out there but I, I like what he does and i did say hey what hooded mosher hurt you because he he really went hard at the end he never replied so hopefully jack hears this and, and hits us back um tom go for it all right we're gonna go to the other jay robbins and um Hey, y'all. So basically, I always felt like Bold is a t-shirt band, but I picked up the discography discography LP, and it really changed my opinion of them. Let me interject. Bob, were you there for the for the discography LP? I was. Did you have much to do with it? No, not really. But no. I mean, I was. I did. I was involved in a lot of it. What What was he saying about it? No, just that he, he his first introduction was oh, discography, discography and the timing. I was like, oh, that's probably right around where yeah. Bob. Was. Yeah, I was I was there for for the probably the last three quarters, um, but if I'm being honest, it was always my opinion that those bands should just keep the records in press because it was only two records. It was Speak Out and Looking Back, but they were out of print and it was kind of like, hey, let's put it all on. We get questions sometimes: why did discographies happen? It it's con- it kind of was at the time it was a concise way to to consolidate all of it, and the Crippled Youth stuff wasn't out there, and some people wanted that and. You know, um, I actually thought the low the the um, the layout for it was was decent, um, but but the original layout for Speak Out so so energetic and has its own thing going on 
that uh, I, it pales in comparison. So what yeah. can you do? Um, the collection begins with looking back, and that's l- legit all you really need from them. Like you were all discussing on the pod, it's basically like it's another band. But due to the discography, I really I really dig the whole catalog now, even though I'm going to be honest and saying looking back is way better. Agreed. Scott, my band la- bandmate in Late Bloomer, shout out 6131, once, it's, once said it's like they all got into Van Halen, and I can see that, or just the general rock influence in their playing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I really think um, – I think what really makes a difference is the addition of Tom Capone. I think he's also why they're remembered so fondly. Big fan of Handsome and Quicksand, so it was only natural that I got into Bold too. Big fan of the pod. Started listening to Patrick's other podcast too, and I think I'm in Pat Overload. Well, wait for next week's debut of the Pat Overload podcast, where Patrick <laughs> narrates the best of his week in podcasts. <laughs> Don't kid. Don't give him any ideas, man. I know. Well, you know, he can always do that. His best of. Go ahead, pay. So uh, this is from Matt uh, with, with one T. And uh, what he says is uh, he's got a lot going on, but he says – on a recent episode uh, of Axe to Grind, uh, the question was posed, uh, what is a record from a genre which really requires a listener to get into that genre at a young age that you believe on its own merit could be loved by anyone at any age? You know, shout out to Matt for being uh, so specific with that language. Uh, loved, loved this email. He, he really gets to a good place here. Yeah, so for him, for Youth Crew Hardcore, it is looking back. That is the one that he would suggest that anybody that transcends the genre that they could that anybody could like. Um, so uh, he thinks Bob got it completely right when he suggested uh, this bold record served as the bridge linking classic youth crew to post hardcore bands that many of the youth crew icons went on to uh, play in. Simply put, this record on its own sounds very much like a youth crew record, but it began began to push the sonic boundaries in ways that would inspire so much many different musical projects for years to come. For me specifically, I found myself appreciating this record for reasons I would normally I, I would normally like from non-hardcore genres. We're hearing this a lot about this record. For example, my favorite song off this record is You're the Friend I Don't Need. I love this track for the clean instrumental break that transitions into one of the most ripping guitar leads that before the that before the closing chorus. Honestly, these are things I would appreciate from prog bands, Rush, Pink Floyd, or Dream Theater. But the fact that these same musical elements were so carefully and masterfully woven into what is clearly and comprehensively still a youth crew record, I think is truly remarkable. Um, so he says, bottom line, and I think what he's saying right there is interesting because there, there's so much give and take in, this, in these uh, emails uh, between was this done masterfully or is this a sloppy effort at this bigger thing? Uh, and I think that he, he comes down on the side that this is like really expertly done, which is interesting. He says, bottom line, this record shows that hardcore can and arguably should transcend genre boundaries to appeal to not only the youth crew kid, but also the snobby prog guitar snob. Uh, I think this record can be appreciated by so many, and I would be more than happy to share this with friends who are not familiar or even hate the genre because there is so much to appreciate. Uh, Stay safe and healthy. That's from Matt. Uh, Matt, thank you for the – so Matt's email is pretty long. I only read portions, but uh, thank you very much for the email. I think that that take is interesting, that this is a, a transcendent record, uh, as we talked about on the podcast. I don't see that, uh, but or if I do, I think it transcends Youth Crew by being only 30% a Youth Crew album. Yeah, I could see that. Um, let me see this one in a second. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna read two real quick ones. Um, no, all right. I'm just gonna read one. I thought I had a tweet. One of you has a tweet that is really crazy, uh, but but works. I I, I like it. Um, is it. Is it something like I'm a, I'm a representative of a terror group and I'm gonna saw off Matt from Bold's head because I would that would be a crazy tweet. No, no, no. It, 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 we'll get there. Um, hello, Stefan from Stefan or Stephen. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing. From Briar, Washington. Here, I gave Bold's looking back a listen. I went, walked into this totally blind and have never heard of this band I've, and have never heard of the band. At first listen, my impression was this is a goofy youth of today and Cro-Mag's best wishes worship band. The riffs are in a strange no man's land of metallic hardcore, not really hitting the mark in either realm. I felt these dudes can play their instruments, but I was very o- underwhelmed by the song. Once I got to the title track, I experienced a striking reminiscence. Matt Wark's vocal style reminded me of Death by Stereo singer Ephraim Schultz. Hmm. The riff and song structures on Looking Back very much reminded me of Death by Stereo's first album. If looks could kill, I'd watch you die. Death by Stereo was a huge gateway band for me. So listening to Bold brought me back to growing up in Alaska and discovering new bands on Epitaph Punkorama compilations I found at FYE at the mall. We didn't have much for record stores back then. Thank you, Bold, for the trip down memory lane and the opportunity to opportunity to do some looking back uh and he said some really nice stuff but what he says that was good was i'm a social worker in geriatrics as you can imagine there's a lot of anxiety and grief among my coworkers and the people we serve these days hardcore has always been a way for me to cope uh podcasts help me stay connected nice things uh warmly stefan um stefan thank you uh very nice yes thank you i don't totally see the death by stereo comparisons in vocals but and and with the music, it's a little bit of a strain, except for the fact that Death by Stereo, especially on that first record, that's the only one I'm familiar with, has a lot of parts and a lot going on. And for me, it, it works, but it doesn't always work. And I could say the same about looking back. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I can hear maybe a little Ephraim with the uh, like kind of weird croony stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. May, yeah, I could kind of, yeah. Um, all right, so I got, let's see. I have two more emails. Let me see if I can bang these out in one fell swoop. Let me see how quick yeah, the uh, the next, the other one is as well. Uh, oh, good. They're both. They're both quick. I'm going to read these two quickly. Okay, this one is from Justin P. Um, hello, so this record was surprising. I was expecting some sort of generic straight-edge hardcore, but it was a lot weirder than that. Between the guitar solos and vocals, it was almost like a youth crew Van Halen. <laughs> Love it. Um, record started out funny, exciting, kind of lost steam about halfway through. Probably won't listen again, but I'm glad to know just how weird this record is. Sincerely, Justin P., Nashville by way of Gainesville. Remember those shirts? Go Nashville, go fuck yourself. Were you around for those? Those are good shirts. Um, and then another one from our friend Wyatt went in totally blind. I fucking love this record, mostly for the excellent lead guitar, which a lot of youth crew lacks. Big fan of the triumphant vocals. And can we talk about that snare sound? Every snare should sound like this. Oh. Riff wise, <laughs> I feel like the perf- this perfectly bridges the gap between youth crew hardcore and skate punk like Bad Religion and Good Riddance. Makes me want to do a kickflip and break my collarbone again. <laughs> well, don't do that, Wyatt. But everything else sounds great. Shout out to all the people who are talking about listening to Bold and going skating. Yeah, I like that vibe. Well, I, I love that nobody can decide if, or at least our mentions can't decide if Bold's guitars are metal, melodic hardcore, 
or 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 uh, a post hardcore. This is like so interesting to me. You know um, what though? But yeah. think about a lot of those like popular, even like um, uh, like such gold. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're like the a, stuff. they're a pop punk kind of band for all, but they're fucking technical as shit. Same thing with fucking propaganda, all that sort of stuff. There's that new genre of like pop punk that is like for shredders. Yeah, you can you can trace roots on that back to some weird like California stuff. But sure, they, they totally took it. Yo, I mean, but to say this, Pat, isn't the Venn diagram like isn't the intersection of metal guitars and um. And melodic hardcore, post hardcore. I suppose so. I mean, uh, uh, to me, an intersection. I think you know, it's it's it, or it or it's pretty close to that. I mean, tone is such a deciding factor. That's very it. true. And tuning, uh, you know, what I mean, so. What, what so, uh, this one, I'm just going to give you the cliff notes because I find it fascinating that we just got a death by. This is our second death by stereo comparison. Wow. That I never expected that. Wow. So that. So this is Mike. Mike thinks the shit is boring, uh, or it's just kind of mediocre. There's nothing to love or hate about it. Nothing special going on. Uh, but and if you've heard, heard one bold song, you've heard them all. There are moments where, some, for some reason, "Death by Stereo" comes to mind. Not sure why. Is that odd? Apparently not, Mike. Apparently not. Yeah. Wow. Um, it might be just like the, the 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 noodling on the guitars and like the kind of sort of crooning lyrics, like vocals. I'd have to listen to fucking Death by Stereo again and kind of. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's 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 on our homework for an upcoming episode. Ah, well, nice. there you go. Um, Carl, I do that. I was just yeah. I I wanted. It's worth a tease, you know. Good um, job. Carl Gunhouse, our buddy photographer. Hey, Carl. I'll, get, I'll give his, his government out. Um, yeah, does anyone call him just Carl? No, everyone knows him as Carl Gunhouse. Um, it's a badass last name, so why wouldn't you use that? Killer name. I was trying to uh, say some stuff. I was trying to like anything from early Rev and psyched to find this on vinyl at Princeton Record Exchange. Excited to get home to listen to it, and I liked it more than what I knew of Bolt, but also thought it was a little weird and a little metally and wasn't sure this is what I should be liking. It quickly became clear amongst friends in the early 90s that this was not the good Bold. Uh, when they came, first came back in the 90s, is bold slash endure. And we're doing mostly this stuff. I do remember people being disappointed. But it was my favorite bold material by far. So I'm excited. People seem to be into it a lot now these days. Uh, thanks, Carl. And he's right. There was a time when it was this was not the cool bold. Uh, and, I mean, still among many people, like, Speak Out is this definitive one. And looking back is the, like, oh, that's when they got weird. And and that's a very valid thing. Like I, I'm not I'm neither here nor there on that. I, I don't really care. But th- there was a time when what Carl said is 100 percent true. Uh, let me let me do another, and then I'll get to Pat, and we'll uh, and then I think we'll close up with a couple more here. Um, Daniel, uh, who signed his email, sincerely a bold lover, Dan. So I don't know if he loves bold or he's a bold lover. I hope both. He'll take chances in the in yeah. the sack. Yeah, for fuck yeah, man. I love your energy. Uh, this record straight up kicks ass. I can't understand why people don't fuck with Speak Out since it's... Oh, okay. I can understand why people don't fuck with Speak Out since it sounds like shit. I think both records are fantastic pieces of straight-edge hardcore. However, the production tones of Looking Back are much more mature than previous efforts. The re-recording of Always Try is slowed down and way harder. A bold lover. Dan, thank you. PK, what you got? 
Well, I got uh, Sam from uh, the band End on End, who's got a new record coming out on uh, uh, New Morality Zine. Uh, who uh, uh, he's, he wants to give a shout out to Nick Acosta, and I think we probably all agree with that. Yes, uh, sure. He, he uh, this just put him in a space of thinking about youth crew in general, and thinking about getting lectured, and thinking about how uh, bunk it is, uh, and how it can clang against your ears. And Sam is a younger man, I believe. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and. and so, you know, he says looking, looking back is cool, uh, but speak out can fall into the cultural trash compactor. Mm. Uh, and uh, it just got him in his feelings about the, the didactic nature of youth group, which I think is uh, a, a fun, a fun uh, ride to take if you ever want to explore yourself and be like, what do I like about music? Yes. Uh Christian hits us and says, I'm 21 years old and I've been to hardcore for about five or six years now. Bold has always been a band where I knew the name and I'd never seen, I had seen the shirt, but never really listened in detail. This was definitely an interesting record. Not at all what I expected based on what I had heard from bold on speak out pleasantly surprised at how melodic the record is, especially when compared to the more straightforward youth crew stuff. That's on the first record. Definitely tell they improved and evolved as a band in terms of their technical skill as musicians. Although do I do think some of the songs run a bit too long. Uh, prefer some of the rawness and songwriting on Speak Out, but this record has a lot of good things going for it and seems like a logical progression. I enjoyed the vocals and a lot of the guitar work, although the guitar solo seemed a bit unnecessary. Here we go, Tom. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, this record reminded me of Turning Point in some spots and later era Seven Seconds in others. I can kind of see how a band like Bane could have taken influences from a record like this, especially hearing some of the songwriting choices and the weirder and more melodic guitar parts on that sound, on that sound, like Aaron Dahlbeck could have written them. Overall, it was a good listen. Thanks, Christian. Um, do you guys think this was a logical progression from Speak Out? I don't think so. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have seen it coming necessarily. I think now, this is a hard left turn. I asked, um, I asked uh, a buddy, uh, Tony Retman, who who has done a lot of stuff. I, I hit him up early in the morning. I was like, "Yo, I don't know if you're in the mood for." Uh, a pre 9 a.m. text about bold. He said, that is exactly the kind of text I'm in the mood for right now in the current climate. So, um, <laughs> but he, he said, um, he, I was like, you know, was this a surprise? Was it like, did it take, and he's like, you know, they were playing with Tom for a while. Like I'm pretty sure Tom toured with them in 88. Um, so he had been in the band for a while. So they had already started playing these songs and were more proficient. So he's like, it wasn't a surprise. It was different, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, what is this? Which I thought was important. It was like cool to get that perspective. I had never really talked to anyone who uh, was a little bit older and, and around for all that, who had very cohesive memories of it. So that was uh, that was cool. And thanks to Tony for that. Um, PK, I, Tom, I think you're out of emails. Do you have? Uh, do you have? I think I sent you some tweets. Any that are some, interesting? Yeah, I got some tweets. You want me to read those three? Yeah, I got yeah, yeah. Read them. Hit you, want, you want me to read the ads? Yeah, read the ads. I think people the people like that. And if they're private, they're private. But, you know, if they're public, throw these people some follows so you can get their thoughts on bold in the future. Right. Our, our buddy Zach from the 518. From Zach Maniac. Carlin. From, I didn't want to give his, all right, Zach Carlin from Maniac. Yeah. Um, at Eldrazi Stomp, which I don't know what that means, but it's got to be something with a comic book. Magic the Gathering. No, it's not, is it? Yeah, for sure. He, 100%. He's, he's like a, he's deep in the culture. Yeah. All right. No judgment. 
Um, Eldrazi Stomp. Hard for me to get into this band. Saw them in the mid-2000s in Albany, New York. Turnout wasn't good. TC3 got mad and kicked the PA of the show promoter. It was yeah. an awful vibe and really turned me off from ever checking the band out. Uh, that's all fair. Were you at that show? PK? That happened. No, uh, I was on tour during that show. Is that uh, likely a Dan show? Dan Bystander, right? Not uh, Bystander. What's his name? Dan. Uh, uh, Scott Bystander. Scott, Scott Bystander fanzine almost certainly did that. Scott, almost. Scott, Scott J, right? Yeah. Scott J of uh, Tripface for anybody interested. So he beefed with Scott Tripface? I feel like Scott Tripface would not take that kindly. I don't think he did. I don't think I don't think it went over great for either man. I think it was a a contentious moment from what I what I heard afterwards. I'll fucking kill you, bro. Um. uh, So and then this might be the the text that you're talking the tweet you're talking about. I think it is Uh, at video negative. Yep. No names. We don't know who this person is, but so remedial and amateurish. It borders on outsider art. (laughs) Checked it once and couldn't bring myself to listen again. Just whack. Jesus, I wonder. I wonder what lens that motherfucker sees me through. I know, but uh, I feel like you might have wrote writ that. I, I feel like that's your that's your burner account. I talked about <laughs> his burner account, the Cat Pendlin one. It's it's a lot. It's a lot more salacious than that. Let's get some thoughts on the origin of uh, Doctor Fauci. We'll just say that. <laughs> and then finally, Dylan at Dyl Blood. So Dill Blood. Oh, Dill Blood. Pretty good. Pretty that's good. good. I like that. All right, that's very good. It's very clever. Um, everyone trashes bold for whatever reason. They're one of the first New York hardcore bands I got into. The early youth crew stuff never held up, but the later melodic crossover material is criminally overlooked. People just mean bold because they're trying to be funny for internet clout. Dylan, you are 100% on point. Yeah, what about, what about melodic crossover? That's, that's, I won't put it there because people would think it's more crossover, you know, like, like think like crossover, like mid eighties crossover, but that you know if you isolate it as its own thing there's there's something there you know um all right i'm gonna read an email from uh let's see alex uh alex patrick casey from the hudson valley uh today was the first time i listened to this record all the way through i tried getting into bold once every five years or so and it just never works so i forced myself to listen to this record all the way through Four times in honor of your podcast. Alex, thank you. I admit this time I probably liked it the most out of any of the other attempts to get into them, but I still don't actually like it. This record is like taking all the good parts out of Beyond No Longer at Ease and replacing Kevin Egan, who admittedly cannot sing, with a dude who thinks he can sing. I think the vocals are my least favorite part, actually. They just lack personality to me. Another thing that pisses me off about this record is it just sounds like crap. I like Alex's tumbling here. He's spiraling in the email. Yeah. I could, I could typically care less about the production value on a hardcore record, but to me, Bold is more polished than their contemporaries, and the production, production just doesn't sound polished by any means. On my fourth listen, I listened with Nicole, who is a Bold fan. Shout out to Nicole. But she pointed out that Method of Doubt, current band, very good band from Southern, South Florida, Reminded her of Bold at times, which I could hear. But I'll listen to Method of Doubt over Bold any day. Quick Bold-related story. In 2012, Nicole and I went to the Rev 25 shows together, one of which Bold played. I made fun of her so much for wanting to watch them that she actually got pissed off. 
I was being a dick, by the way, Alex and Nicole are married, so that's why this is funny. I was being a dick, but I also dragged her to see Chain of Strength three times that weekend, and I made her stay with me while I watched Iceburn. She didn't complain once, so I should have really cut her some slack, but of course I didn't. So I continued to rag on her for liking Bold. That same night, Into Another was playing an after show at St. Vitus. It sold out quick. We both loved them, and it would have been our first opportunity to see them. I scored a ticket for myself day of the show, and since I pissed her off so bad with my bold bashing, I gave it to her and waited for her outside while she watched Into Another at 1 a.m. But yeah, bold still sucks. Peace, Alex Casey. Wow. (laughs) Young love. That's true love. I know, right? That, that, there's a there's a world where bold caused uh, Nicole and Alex to split, and who knows what Alex is doing now? I mean, uh, probably lives under a bridge uh, in Poughkeepsie, has three or four illegitimate children. Uh, things could have gotten really dark. So Nicole, yeah. thanks for keeping them on the tracks. For sure. Uh, thank you. I, I like to thank everybody because we got fifty of these, so we were unable to read them all. So. Yeah. Thanks to everybody. It's really, we appreciate the lengthy ones, even if we can't read them all uh, out loud. Um, and this just, tells you that VOD, bold is bigger than VOD. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's just the record club's catching on. I think that's what it is, right? It, here's a question. Do we, do we want record club suggestions in this episode, or how, how do we want to do this? Well, so, so Tom... Do you count VOD as your pick? You kind of suggested it, and then we ran with it. You know, I kind of had a hand in the last two. I feel like I kind of had a hand in looking back as well. Okay. Because I've kind of bigged that up. So I'm more than happy to. I kind of wanted Bob to pick one of his, like, weird ones that I definitely haven't heard before. Yeah. I want to, but I don't have one ready. Patrick, do you have one ready? Because I'd love for you to to drop one on us for the next one. I've got three. Okay. I'm going to give you your choices here. Uh, do you want to go with something that I can't say I have any opinion on and would be totally new, not totally new to me, but would be really like a first listen in some ways. Okay. Do, do you want something that is uh, a thing that I really liked as a kid uh, and squarely hardcore? Uh, or do you want me to be the jump out metalcore guy? Tom, where, where, what are you thinking? I, I think we might have you reveal one, but do we want to eliminate one of those? Do we want to lean one way? I want to save Bob from the metalcore one. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I'm curious to... Uh, um, I really wish it was something you really, really liked because I feel like, especially with Bold, we picked something that Bob and I like and you were ready to shit on. So I would like to have the opportunity to dookie all over your hopes and dreams. Tom, can I tell you real quick that I had a uh, call with Patrick the other day in advance of this to give the behind the scenes. I think I had something else to ask him, but I also was like, hey, you need to realize that if you pick on bold, you're in the majority. You you can't don't go in shitting on this for no reason. You mind fucked him. You Jedi tricked him. Psychology me. No, not even. I just wanted him to know like, uh, well, yeah, that's true. Maybe I contrarian the contrarian. Um, Patrick, why don't you reveal all three to us? We're we're leaning no on the metalcore, but okay. we'll see. Let's see. Let's yeah, pull the pull the sheet. Metalcore was going to be turmoil. The process of oh, that's a record I like. Yeah, okay. no, that's not really. I that was not what I was expecting. Okay. Uh, the hardcore record that I really liked as a kid, but couldn't say my exact feelings on it because I only revisit two songs from it every year. 
uh, is uh, Four Walls Falling Culture Shock, mm, mm. Uh, which I think would be an interesting one for so many of our listeners because that's not a deep cut, but we have listeners that weren't familiar with Bold, so I have to imagine that Four Walls Falling is actually pretty fucking obscure to some people. For um, sure. No question. And then the one that I can't speak to with any fucking understanding is uh, 1.6 band. Oh. Hmm. Is that That's easily found? Yeah, let's check on streamability of all three of those. What's the 1.6 band? Uh, um, self-titled. Self-titled, okay. Uh, I think that's on. 1.6 band is on streaming, uh, but it's only the 1996 album Broke Up. Okay, so Broke Up is the comp record of oh, okay. of it. So just give us like the the, the the titles of the yeah I think it's record. on it, it's probably on here because it's it's got a lot it does have a lot of everything um, it's, it's these giants through adult Hitler I, I think that they probably go in like a yeah tent. they are there they are there yeah uh, so we could do that or we could do I think four walls is on there oh wait before four walls that say that again Pat yeah you broke. Uh, uh, four walls falling. That record uses the numeral four, not the yeah, not the it, letters. It is up there, and turmoil's up there as well. Tom, I'm leaning. Man, I have no familiarity with 1.6 band. Four walls. Is, I like that record, but haven't listened in a while, and have some definite thoughts on it. And turmoil, I actually think is a a pretty good record that a lot of people could get exposed to. What do we want to do? Uh, what's your familiarity with 1.6 band, Tom? I dug it. It's it's Kevin Egan from Beyond. Oh right. Before Last Crime, after Beyond. When's the last yeah. time you gave it some serious listening? Um, probably one point six millennial ago. Yeah. Um, right. you probably, know like the, probably the nineties. I don't. Ha- you I, know I, what? I, yeah. This is a record that would be new to all three of us in a way. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. you Tom, you have some familiarity with it. I think yeah. I have almost none, and Pat has almost none. Why don't we dive into that? Let's do it. All right. Let's do that. And th- those other two are great. And actually... Yeah, hold those, because we should do a Turmoil one, because I feel like that's something that either people have opinions on or will be blown away once they hear it if they're into that kind of music. Completely agree. And Four Walls is Four Walls really good. However, uh, what Patrick said is exactly right. I will listen to the first three songs and then kind of trail off yep. and haven't given the whole record it's due and would love to give it a, a true deep dive. So, all right, we're going to do 1.6 band for the uh, next, next record, yeah. next record club. So that'll probably be, I think we're doing these roughly once a month, you know, so we want to give people time to listen to it and let it soak in and get feedback. Thanks everybody who responds. Email us at extra grind podcast at Gmail. Follow us on the socials, all that shit. Um, join the Patreon. It's cool. Yeah, we it appreciate is. it. Yeah. We're doing a thing right now where we're taking listener suggestions on Patreon for Patreon episodes. So we're going to record some of that pretty soon. Cool. cool. Uh, All right. Fellas, always nice to see you. Uh, Speak to you soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Peace.